Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Boldly Go, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast. I am Brandy Jackola. I am but one of the hosts of this lovely show. My other host is... Suzanne Williamson. And together, we are... The women! The women! <laughs> we are who Spock was talking about. Yeah, you're damn right. We are. We are the women. <laughs> Still tickles me every time. I, I, I don't know why, but it just, even as a kid, that made me laugh. Because you just don't expect that coming from him, that's all. No, and he's, you know, I appreciate his concern. He was super concerned about the women. Yes, someone needed to be because nobody else was. Yeah, everybody else was just kind of looking around like, hey. Where'd they go? What? <laughs> Spock's the only one who notices. <laughs> um, the women! <laughs> Ah, yes. Well, as you might have guessed, we are going to be discussing the very first appearance of Captain Christopher Pike in the original pilot episode for Star Trek, the original series, called The Cage, then called The Menagerie, then called The Cage again, and then split into two parts as The Menagerie when it was repurposed for season one of Star Trek. So... (laughs) Yeah, lots of uh, interesting details about the very rocky road to just getting this thing made. Yes. And I'm not going to go over all of them because it is, it's a very long story. It only takes place over a few months in 1964, but there's a lot that goes on during that time. So if you really want to know all of those details, I recommend Memory Alpha for that purpose because there's so much but before we get into our our proper discussion, Suzanne, did you know that this episode was originally supposed to be Robert April as the captain? I did not know that. Neither did I until today when I was doing some research. Yeah, That's it was supposed fancy. to be Robert April. And he was supposed to be older mm-hmm. and the way that the episode started was very different. Of course, all of these things changed over time because they were writing a a network script trying to get the the thing sold, and then there became a production script, and it went through so many changes. At one point, the captain's name was James Winter. (laughs) So Winter is coming. (laughs) 
You know, it is. It is. It is. Uh, as we are recording this, it is late July. In fact, July is almost over. So technically, winter is coming. And I welcome it with open arms because it is just too hot. Too yes, hot. it is. Very hot. Yeah. So, and uh, another fun tidbit that I found out is though the episode was going to be centered around the captain of the ship, the first person described in the script was number one. I wonder why. Hmm. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't read all of the books and treatises on the subject, so I don't know if Jean was always planning to put Majel in there, but I'm so very glad that he did. Oh, me too. Because I absolutely loved her in this role. And almost... This this is going to be a controversial opinion. It almost makes it feel like Christine Chapel was just kind of a consolation prize. Oh, she she definitely was, and it saddens me because I adore Nurse Chapel. I adore her. Yes, yes, but- I think I think she's fantastic. But this whole, you know, loving the man who can never love her back sort of thing was just so misogynist at best yes but there was a lot of misogyny in star trek there was there was even when it was supposed to be so progressive and i guess for the mid 60s it technically was but there was was still it was still a long way to go yeah yeah anyway lots of stories to be had i wasn't there though but (laughs) (laughs) i do i do know one other thing and that's the network could choose, you know, what things that they wanted them to develop into outlines to possibly do an episode from. Mm -hmm. And they specifically chose the cage because they thought it would be extremely hard and that they would fail. (laughs) That's basically what they did. Oh, NBC. (laughs) NBC, you jerks. (laughs) They've canceled many of my favorite shows over the years, prematurely, in my opinion. But that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm okay. I really am. It'll be all right. um, I know. Just take a moment. I know. It's fine. (sighs) Getting all verklempt. Okay. Yeah. I was getting a a bit (laughs) verklempt. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a topic. (laughs) Sorry. That's a deep cut. Most people don't remember Linda Baldwin. (gasps) I, call, I talk about, no, it was Paul Baldwin first, and then it was Linda, because it was based on Mike Myers' mother-in-law. <laughs> we talk about coffee, daughter, coffee dogs, talk. daughters, dogs, New York, you know, no big whoop. <laughs> Did you see her nails? Her nails were like butter. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'll just, I, I'm sorry, everyone, that you are being subjected to this torture. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is this is what you're in for, folks. So if you don't like it now, yeah. well, you know, maybe maybe we'll grow on you. <laughs> you have Cheeky no choice. Grin. Yes, you. Yes, we are boldly go. You will comply. You will be assimilated. <laughs> Resistance is futile. We will add your distinctiveness to our own. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's well before. What <laughs> before Christopher Pike's ever gonna Yeah, anyway, we're jumping around. So let's let's just start with our episode, which uh 
you know, kind of off the bat, mm-hmm. kind of jumps into the misogyny. <laughs> Just a little bit. Because, you know, we see... We see the bridge and we see, you know, people being busy and pressing buttons and moving levers and whatnot. And, you know, Captain Pike runs into literally Ensign Colt and uh, is very irritated. Oh, Yeoman Colt, excuse me. You are correct. Yeoman Colt. I don't know why I said Ensign. Maybe it was wishful thinking. She should have been an Ensign. So Yeoman Colt, (laughs) right? It's like, do we have yeomans anymore in Star Trek? Because I don't remember seeing any in Last Gen. No, Last Gen? Oh, okay. The Last Next Gen. Wow. The Last Next Gen. (laughs) Folks, I'm really tired. So I apologize for my mouth uh, engaging before my brain has been put in gear. We did not have any on Voyager. I know that. No. And I don't recall any on Deep Space Nine. Don't remember any on Enterprise either. Anyway, I guess they were really going hard into that Navy thing, which, you know, makes sense because a lot of that, I mean, even the sounds of the Enterprise are very much based on, you know, sonar Mm -hmm. and radar and that sort of thing. And in fact, the pretty much the sounds that submarines make because they're constantly pinging so that they can determine distance through sound waves of what's around. So they don't run into things. Yeah, because there are no windows in submarines. I don't know if you guys knew that, but there are no windows in submarines. I've heard there are screen doors, though. (laughs) Screen doors? (laughs) You got me. You got me with that one. Anyway, and uh, she was, he was all kinds of ticked off with her. And she said, you said you wanted this duty roster. I think it was a duty roster. By 0500. It's 0500. Yes. Yeah. And then he says how he just can't get used to seeing a woman on the bridge. And number one's like, what? Excuse me? Hello? Yeah, the, the way she looks at him was like, WTF? And, and he says, oh, I, I don't mean you, number one. Uh, you're, you're different. Again, uh-huh. WTF? Like, <laughs> what the what? What are you trying to imply that I just did? Uh, yeah. Uh. Yes. Basically, uh, not recognizing her as a woman and then outright stating that he doesn't recognize her as a woman. Wow. Wow. But, you know, I'm just going to write that up as, you know, I can, I can like retcon, headcanon, anything. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to say that he was already under the influence of the Telosians at that point. My, my thing is he was just a big jerk. Yeah. The stress got to him, and he just became a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. And I can understand that, especially when he goes back to his quarters, and and Dr. Boyce shows up mm-hmm. and starts making a martini. Hey, <laughs> just if think- my doctor shows up with a martini, I'll drink it. Yeah, I wouldn't turn that down, yeah. because, you know... If- as my doctor is a health professional. If he thinks that this is what I need, <laughs> then by all means, I will partake. Yeah. My prescription. <laughs> yeah, but I do, I do love the line that he gives Pike about, you know, people will tell their bartenders things that they'll never tell their doctor. Oh, that's true. That is so true. Yeah. I love that line because it's just like, yeah. Yeah, because we have this viewpoint of doctors. Like, we're... We always seem to be wary about what we're saying to them. Mm-hmm. Instead because, of being truthful, they can help yeah. you with truthful. 
I know it's so weird, and I don't know where this programming comes from as a society. It's just kind of, why do we do that? So this, of course, was before the time of counselors on starships. Yes. He didn't have a Troy to go to, so he talks to the doctor. And we don't really know for sure everything that happened before we are introduced to Captain Pike. Mm -hmm. But whatever it was, it sounds pretty bad. It had to have been, because there are still crewmen that are, like, bandaged up from what happened. Spock's limping. Spock's limping. One of the guys on the bridge, his wrist is wrapped up. Somebody in the transporter room has bandages on his neck or face or something. It's obvious that they have been through something harrowing. And there's a big part of me that's like, I want to know what that was. And there's the mm -hmm. other part of me that's like, no, nah, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Because seeing it would then make it, it would lose some of its intensity. Because I can imagine something far worse yes. than what they can show me on screen. Yes, you can. So there is that part of me that wants to know, but then doesn't really. So, but yeah, he's very disillusioned, very, frankly, depressed. And uh, doesn't know if he even wants to be a captain anymore. He doesn't like choosing who lives or dies. And honestly, for depression, he should not be drinking the martini. No, really shouldn't. No. Really shouldn't. Because that doesn't really fix anything. No. And, do the, well, you know, back then we didn't really have antidepressants in real life. So I don't think that anyone imagined that there would be that kind of treatment for it. And it was a time where we still really weren't talking about mental issues. I mean, it's bad enough today, but it mm -hmm. was really bad back then. Oh, yeah, because back then you would just lock people away and never speak of them again. Yeah, and then the whole trauma of the Vietnam War mm -hmm. and how that changed how we look at soldiers yes. and veterans, and yet we still don't treat them as we should and provide for them as we should. <clears throat> Sorry, government diatribe. Uh. Yep. It's just, you know, just take care of the people who gave their life to the service, yes. you know? Just, th is it that hard, really? Don't just take care of them while they're in front of you. Yeah, take care of them Afterwards. for the rest of their yes. lives. Because that kind of trauma doesn't die. No, never. You can learn to live with it but you will never get over it. No. And that's that's something that people don't understand. They're like, oh, well, you'll get over it. No, mm -mm. no, no, it will always be there. Always, always, always. And anyone who has ever lost a close loved one will know exactly what that means. Yes. Because you don't, you just, you just find a way to make that part of your existence mm -hmm. now. That's all you can do. Because it, you won't ever stop thinking about that person. You won't ever be hurt that they're gone. I mean, ever stop being hurt that mm -hmm. they're gone. That's just how loss is. It is. And and that's okay. Yeah. It's like a, a wound on your arm, like scabbed over, and you hope you mm -hmm. don't hit it against something and it opens up again. Yep. That is, to yep. me, that is what trauma is. It is that it scabby is. wound. And then every once in a while, someone might come along that just rips the scab off for you and you're like, excuse me. Or just pick, pick. Pick, pick, yep. pick. Yeah, it's like, hey, Ugh. let me get this dead skin off. No, please don't. Please don't. Please don't. It's a hard thing to deal with. And obviously, Captain Pike is not dealing with it very well. No, no, he's not. To run off of the bridge to his quarters, that, that says something right there. 
Yeah. Well, maybe his shift was over. <laughs> it was <laughs> 0500. <laughs> oh, darn. Is that the time? <laughs> oh, golly. I was supposed to get breakfast. So, yeah. But, you know, he's the captain. He can he can do what he wants, I guess. Well, that's not technically true. I mean, captains still have responsibilities, and they can't just toss them to one side. Drinking on duty. And they feel like, oh, yeah, that's a... Uh, that's that's not <laughs> definitely not okay. So I'm going to have to assume that he was actually off duty at that point. I'm going to I'm going to make that my head cannon now. Yes, I think he that is the duty. right thing yes. to do. He was off duty at that point because honestly, he looked like he was going to lay down and try and take a nap or something. Yes, could be though. That bed was much too small for him. Yeah, it really was. His feet it was were dangling like off a, the end. It was more like a chaise lounge <laughs> than it was a bed. <laughs> This is for relaxing. <laughs> yes. This is this is for daintily posing. This is not for sleeping, sir. Draw me like one of your French girls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't that what chase lounges were for? Yes. I mean, did you ever see guys on chase lounges? No, it was always a lady draped over it. Yeah. I suppose we could dwell on uh, Captain Pike's mental state for quite some time, but uh, he, I think he dwells on it enough for all of yes, us. Yes, he does. So. <laughs> So uh, things get shaken up when they get a distress call and uh, they have to go find out what's going on because that's the Federation way. It is. You don't just uh, abandon people to their fate. If you hear a distress call and you're within range, you go help. Though Pike was about to. Yeah, he was. It's like somebody else's problem. Dude. Spock <laughs> did not like that answer. The look on his face was like, what? Yeah. It's just like, uh, no, dude, you need to, this is, this is, dude. This is important. It's just, mm-hmm. It's a distress call. You really need to go do this. And it's like, well, I don't, we don't even know if they're alive, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's the thing, though. You are obligated to check that out mm-hmm. because if they are alive, then you need to render aid. Exactly. I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, you're just twiddling your thumbs out there right now anyway go do something (laughs) it's interesting a lot of the terms were very different Mm -hmm. in this uh in this pilot episode especially the warp drive and (laughs) all these other things that are just like yeah laser pistols yeah time factor what huh so yeah there was a well i know that gene roddenberry did consult with scientists Mm -hmm. as far as actual science and put as much actual science into it as he could was it doc brown that he was talking to (laughs) because the time factor that's all i could think of i was like are they going 88 miles per hour they're gonna see some serious shit (laughs) (laughs) there's like these nacelle burning trails throughout (laughs) Space, they go to work. <laughs> I want to see this crossover. <laughs> I, I do too, and now that it's in my brain, it's never going to leave. So I am going to be thinking that every time that I watch this episode, and that is a gift. That is a gift that I will treasure. <laughs> I'm going to write a treatment of that story. <laughs> Just crossover between the cage and back. To the future. It's a future program on the network. There you go. Yeah, there we go. Well, uh, well, we that's that actually would be an interesting that story for fun. a podcast. Yeah, just taking two completely disparate things and combining 
and <laughs> making a story out of it. Crossovers. They, they could call it crossovers. Hey. Copyright 2020 <laughs> by Brandy and Suzanne. <laughs> yes, definitely with the X. So just X overs. Yes. Okay. Well, now we know what we'll do someday when we're not doing this. <laughs> Yeah, and there's this whole awkward sequence of just watching them, them watching them, watching the screen and the blue. as they're traveling to the Talos Star Group, and it's just kind of, you know, the theme music comes in. I liked it though. Yeah, well, there, it's it's still awkward because there's just Pike walking around, watching people push buttons or whatnot. Number one, looking over her shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> just like just like weird stuff. So, they're still back there. Can someone okay. put on like a Blu-ray form while they're waiting? <laughs> Do they just? I mean, what are the what? What is on the view screen besides? Open a podcast. Something. I know, because I find I find it difficult to believe they just keep staring at the screen. But you know, that's the sequence we get, and I I do love hearing that theme music. Yes so prominently in the episode because you don't really get that anymore. I mean, this is really the only time we really get that. You'll get it at the beginning, mm -hmm. you'll get it at the end, but you don't really get it during an episode like that. In your face and all blah. Yeah. Yeah. I do like him calling the Enterprise a space vehicle. <laughs> because it's part DeLorean. <laughs> It's all making sense now. The story writes itself. Turns out there's a flux capacitor attached to the warp drive. Mm -hmm. Just, the Enterprise is stainless steel. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, it's got to look pretty yeah. in space. <laughs> sparkly. Yep. Sparkly. Whew. Wow. We have um, gone off on some detours, but unfortunately, that is something that's going to happen on any podcast. Yes. That I I am a queen of tangents. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, let's see. Where do they go? They go to Talos 4. Yes. They go to Talos 4. The old scientist people. Yes, the old scientist people. They go down there, find the singing plants. We see Spock smile. I love that. I do, too. I do, too. Because it just... And people were just like, well, it just doesn't fit. It's just not... It doesn't fit with the character. He's half human. He can smile. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, and the thing that people seem to forget is that... Vulcans are still mm -hmm. very emotional. emotional people. Yes. They probably even more so than humans. So the human side of him isn't really actually the problem when it comes to emotions. It's those really intense Vulcan emotions. Mm -hmm. That's my theory anyway. And the human side doesn't let him suppress them as well. It's the internal war. Exactly. It it wreaks havoc. Yeah, it wreaks havoc on the control. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. But uh, yeah, I love that. I love I love seeing Spock smile. His his eyebrows were a, li a little bit furrier than they would be <laughs> in the actual first episode of the original. He didn't series. have any threading recently. That's what it was. No. Yeah, yeah, he hadn't had those uh, trimmed up. But that's okay. You know, honestly, I don't mind the furry eyebrows. I liked his hair being a little more askew. Yeah, not not exactly just so Vulcan. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is the word. <laughs> just so Vulcan. And the thing that kills me is just why do all of them... Ha I mean, that I understand having a specific kind of haircut for you know a, a certain type of 
what's the word I'm looking for here? Like a religious sect. Occupation or religious sect or something like that. But assuming that an entire race of people has the same haircut is really something that, yeah, it's really something that has annoyed me with certain aspects of Star Trek. And that's why I just shake my head when they, you know, finally in this day and age are deviating from Mm -hmm. that because a planet full of, you know, seven billion Vulcans and they're all going to have the same haircut? No, I don't think so. Same thing with the Klingons, you know, a whole planet full of Klingons and you think they're all going to look the same because this is all you've seen up until now? Just get a grip, people. Look at the human race and how Mm -hmm. diverse we are in appearance there. Why can't you allow fictitious races to have that same diversity? Bullions. They can't all be bald. No, but... (laughs) But because every Bolian we have seen is bald, then therefore they all must be bald. No, 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 no. do not judge an entire species by the appearance of a few. Genetics doesn't work that way. There's always a random factor. No, no it sure doesn't. Because the first rule of genetics, spread the genes apart. Mm-hmm. No inbreeding. <laughs> wow. We have run the gamut of bizarre topics already. <laughs> I am fascinated by how quickly I have uh, just turned off on every tangent lane. (laughs) Oh, I'm really good at here's something shiny. Look at this. And yes, you are very good at that. And I'm just like, ooh, every time you do. I'm like that dog and up squirrel. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. What the hell were we saying? Spock and the flowers. Yes. Spock and the flowers. Spock's limpy. This is this is when you first get to see that he's really limpy because mm-hmm. he's kind of trying to jog into into a clearing and is just, just limping. Yeah. Just, this and I just felt so bad. I'm like, oh, my Spock is hurt. Don't jog. Take it slow. Just just meander. It's fine. But I think it's that scientific curiosity. It's just like I want to see what's gonna happen. I'm Are there people here? Yes, there are science things. I've never seen singing flowers. <laughs> I must I must study this. He's just got to know. He's got to know. He has to know all these yes. things. So scientists of uh, raggedy clothes and raggedy camp and somehow this really beautiful young woman who... With makeup. Yeah, looks pristine except for her raggedy hair. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, you, you can put on makeup, but you can't comb your hair. All right. All right. She's perfectly quaffed, but it's like somebody just, you know, put their yeah. hands in it and just, just zhuzhed it up. <laughs> That's the technical term, zhuzh. Yeah, that that was actually my my biggest hang up about Dances with Wolves was, what is what was her name? Stands with Fist. It's like everybody in that tribe had beautiful, glossy, straight Mm-hmm. combed, plated hair, and hers looks like a rat nest the entire time. Hers was full-on Kazon. It, w- it was Kazon, except even the Kazon had grooming <laughs> because they had bands and stuff that they would put in their hair. Yes. She was just, yeah. I had no idea Dances with Wolves would come up in this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> if anyone had that on their bingo card, please mark it down. Yes, Yes, we should have a Boldly Go Bingo card of the things that could possibly come up in any recorded episode. I may actually work on that. Everybody get out your Boldly Go Bingo cards. Here we go. 
Yeah, I I would like to take a moment to speak about Susan Oliver because every time I see her, and I have seen her in other things, the things that are the most memorable, obviously, are this episode of Star Trek and also an episode of The Twilight Zone, which uh, was... I can't remember the name of the episode. I think it was People Are Alike All Over, which also had Roddy McDowell in it, who was one of my favorite actors of all time. Sidebar. Yeah. Okay, you liked Roddy McDowell. Did you ever see the movie Arnold? Yes. <gasps> you have. It's been a it's been a while, but I have seen that. Movie. Oh my god! You are the first person I've met that has ever seen that movie. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, because my dad and I caught it like years ago. He would work nights and come home late, and I'd stay up and watch movies with him. And that came on, and we're like, "This was the best movie ever." Because it was so bad. You know, that's the thing. He was in a lot of bad movies. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Roddy McDowell is that he was so good. He was. He was just always so good. And in fact, my first experience with Roddy McDowell, and this is going to sound weird, was actually Fantasy Island. Okay. That was when I first remember seeing him and finding out his name because the whole thing with fantasy island you got ricardo montalban Mm -hmm. as mr rourke you know he makes your fantasies come true but there's always some kind of moral lesson involved and he's always got the white suit and the black tie and then you have this other guy show up who's played by roddy mcdowell who's in a black suit with a white tie and he is like the negative image of mr rourke and they are constantly doing battle as far as, I mean, not like physically doing battle, but it's more like an, a mental and emotional battle. And you find out at one point that it's the devil, which makes <gasps> Mr. Rourke an angel. That is awesome. I have never seen that episode. It scared the crap out of me. It did. Because there's this one point where he just finally is done playing and he just becomes his true self. And he's got like <gasps> little horns and everything. <gasps> I was so scared. <laughs> So Roddy McDowell with horns? That's awesome. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm, so awesome. Mm-hmm. He, he was terrifying. Beautifully, wonderfully, magnificently terrifying. Just, I adore, I adore him. I adore him. That is so I don't, I don't care how bad the movie was. I even loved him in Planet of the Apes when he was covered in makeup. Oh, yes. <laughs> Didn't matter. It was Roddy McDowell. My friend Tom, who does the Twilight Zone podcast... Mm-hmm which Pimp Pimp is a great podcast if you like The Twilight Zone. And even if you don't, it's still a great podcast. He actually lived in New York for a while. And I, if I remember correctly, was working as a cook at a restaurant. And he had come bursting out the back door for some reason. He can't remember why he was in such a hurry. And so he's, he had burst out the back door and was running down an alley. And as he had burst out the door, he <clears throat> literally ran over Roddy McDowell. Oh, no. <laughs> And it didn't even register to him at the time that that was Roddy McDowell. <laughs> he was just like, oh, mate, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? and, and, yeah. And he's just like, man, I wish I'd, I'd stopped and talked to him for a minute. Yeah. You know? Oh, wow. And another interesting thing about him is that there, there isn't anyone, especially, I mean, even after he passed away, there wasn't anyone who ever said a bad thing about that man. Mm-hmm. Not one thing. He was just one of those people. So anyway, tangent. 
So Susan Oliver, yeah, yes. she was in that episode. Basically, that episode was uh, some Earth people going to the next planet, and they get there and they find some a humanoid species, and uh, this humanoid species is like, oh, hello, welcome. Let's learn from each other, and they learn how to communicate, and they they build him this nice house, mm-hmm. and you know they put him in this house, and uh, turns out it's he's a zoo attraction. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, it was based on a short story called Brothers Beyond the Void, mm-hmm. which I will pimp myself now. I did a reading for for the Twilight Zone podcast oh, cool. a few moons back. And uh, Susan Oliver was one of these aliens, and she didn't want to go along with everything that her fellow aliens were doing. And that was the the saddest part, was when he realizes he's basically a prisoner in a cell now, mm-hmm. and she's just so sad. And, and even then, I thought she was just stunning. And that was in black and white, and seeing her in color, it's just like, whoa! I am gorgeous. Because she really is. <laughs> she is those her eyes. Which I was taken aback by how many people in this episode had striking blue eyes. Right? It's like, where are they all coming from, all these blue-eyed people? I don't know. It's and but hers are just this beautiful, bright mm-hmm. ocean blue yeah. that you just think cannot be real in nature. Mm-hmm. And yet there it is on the screen in front of you. And you know it's not a digital effect because this is the original series. It's not contact. So, no, it's sure not. And it's just, uh, so the minute you see her, basically we kind of all feel like Pike at that moment with a huh? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> You're not an old man. <laughs> Where'd you come from? Yeah, it's just like, eh? <laughs> And they're like, oh, she was born as we were crashing, you know, and her parents died. And so she's been here with us this whole time, which right there, it starts to feel hinky. Mm -hmm. It feels very weird. This is a bit too convenient. But, you know, Chris is looking for a distraction and there she is. Yes. (laughs) What do you feel about the design of the Telosians? And their giant heads. I really, really liked it. Especially for the time. To be able to get the the head to move. Took some serious hardware. Definitely that's air bladder. And somebody's controlling it behind them. Yeah. And one thing that had never really occurred to me until I was an adult was that the keeper, the lead Telosian, Mm -hmm. I don't think we ever get a name, played by a woman. Yes, that is a woman. That was a woman under all of that. And I just thought they make, they do a really good job of making them non-gender specific Mm -hmm. in appearance. So you really have no idea. Was this meant to be a male figure or do they not have the same idea of gender that we have? We, we never find out any of these things because basically there's like what, three Telosians left (laughs) and that's it. And they're, they don't seem to be reproducing. But yeah, it's, it's kind of a sad story because they got so used to doing whatever they could with their minds that, uh, you know, they destroyed themselves. Yeah, they neglected everything else. Yeah, it's kind of like the space whale that just, you oh, know, eats yeah. and eats and eats and never mates. Gormagander. So the, the, <laughs> the Telosians are no better than a Gormagander. <laughs> Was mud hiding in any of them? I pray not. 
I pray not. Because if, if, if mud had suddenly come out of one of those delusions, I would have been very upset. I think I would have lost it. Okay, listeners, if your bingo card has mud comes out of a telosian, <laughs> mark that off. Oh, good grief. I'm going to be laughing about that for a while. Um, but but I'll, I'll, I'll soldier on so we can get through this. You know, everybody knows the story. I, I don't think we need to focus on the plot as it happens. No. Uh, and just talk about the things that strike us the most. I think the the one that makes me the most uncomfortable of all those little fantasies has to be the Orion Slave Girl uh, one. Oh, yeah. That just creep factor is out. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, just, ooh, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. And the worst part is the guys next to him. Oh, I know. They are so slimy and, ugh. Gross. Just so gross. You know, the whole idea is that men have these fantasies and they don't even know that this is what they want. And I thought, do they really want this? Because, ew. Yeah, that's nasty. However, to be fair, if, you know, it was a half-naked man painted green and uh, nicely built, dancing for me, I might be okay with it for a little while. I would like that without the green paint because that gets everywhere. That is true. That is true. It's like well, I was glitter. thinking about, you know, if they were if they were actually yes, the herpes of the craft world <laughs> glitter. You cannot once it's there, you cannot get rid of it without extreme effort. Stay forever. away from glitter, folks. Yes. Do yourself a favor. Do not contract glitter. Um <laughs> but I was thinking more in the way of, you know, an actual Orion guy. Uh, not painted. <laughs> I, I gotcha. Not painted. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I would watch that for a little while and then I'd just be like, okay, no. No, this is uh awkward. Yeah. Unfortunately, we still live in a patriarchal society mm-hmm. where most leaders are men and so people may say, Oh well that's you know, that's still sexism. And it's like, is it when it's the minority? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway, also, if anyone had on their bingo card watching an Orion Slave Boy dance for Brandy, <laughs> you can mark that off. Littlefield, I think you had that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there, you know, we don't get a very good look at the rest of the menagerie. We see, like, shadows of some of them, and we see some really weird footage of the bird thing. I wanted to know more about the bird person. <laughs> I was thinking, you know what I was thinking this time when I watched that episode? What if that is an avian Zindi? <gasps> Because we never saw them because they were extinct. Oh, my gosh. Maybe the last one was in the menagerie. That, that was my so thought. Cool. That's my headcanon now. Is that, oh, that was wow. an avian Cindy. Yeah, my, my mind did not go there at all. <laughs> I was just like, ooh, bird. I want to know more about bird. Yeah, and I'm thinking, ooh, bird. Wait, bird. Cindy. Cindy's had, they had a bird species. That was, they died out in war. What if it's a Sydney? So yeah, that's, yeah, that's my head cool. canon now. Because I, like I try to connect everything in my brain, however I can. <laughs> so. so there's a Zindi, an aquatic Zindi, or not aquatic, an avian Zindi in that. And then there's another big red furry monster. Actually kind of more orange, I guess, really. It kind of looked like an overgrown targ. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah. Except it was just, I don't know. 
it was like bipedal and I'm so confused. <laughs> it was kind of like they just had a dart board and we we're just throwing darts we're gonna at add some horns here. Yeah, it's like just different here. aspects. Okay, so this one's going to be what color? This one's going to be red. Okay, throw that dart. Okay, next one, uh physical characteristics. Just throw a dart. Oh, it's going to have a horn or horns. <laughs> just or they were going through props, weird. and we have this extra fabric. You want to use it for something. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, and in, uh, speaking of weird aliens, in the original idea for this story, the Telosians were supposed to be very crab-like. Like Dr. Zoidberg crab And so they went through, uh, like, actual crabs, oh. like, more like a Tholian sort of shape, but oh, crabs. Interesting. The studio was just kind of like, oh, that's a little bit 50s monster of the week, so no. <laughs> they just didn't want to do that. Plus, budget yeah, would have just... Yeah, that'd be pricey. It, it wouldn't have looked good. It just wouldn't have. Yeah. So I appreciate that they did what they did because that way it's easing the public into this new visual medium of mm -hmm. science fiction and saying, oh, look, they're still sort of human-like, but they're obviously not human at the same time. They have bigger brains. So they do have way bigger they brains. They must be smarter. Obviously not. <laughs> Not so much smarter, because honestly, if they were smarter, they would have, you know, figured out way sooner that humans do not like to be in captivity. Yeah, yeah it was just kind of funny. It's like all this time having Vina there and you couldn't figure that out. Yeah. I thought you could read minds. Just the parts they wanted. Yeah, I, that's that's kind of how I think about it in my head, Canon is just like they they were so desperate because you know they say at one point that he was their last hope mm -hmm. for repopulating the planet which means that all of those other creatures that they had in the menagerie were just singles they didn't have anyone to mate with it's like oh there's some humans nearby let's lure them in like a spider with a web yes but not a tholian web because <laughs> they abandoned that cold crab thing so <laughs> Back you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it, everything's connected. Everything is connected. <laughs> oh, Tholians. The only time you really ever get to see one on screen is in the Mirror Universe episodes of Enterprise where Dr. Phlox is torturing a Tholian. It's <laughs> like, wow. However, it's they in y the uh, comic book Star Trek Year 5, the comic series Star Trek Year 5, you get to see a Tholian a lot. Really? Actually, more than one Tholian. Oh, so cool. they, they actually end up taking a Tholian on board, whom they name, well, whom Uhura names Bright Eyes, and she's the first person who actually figures out how to communicate with the Tholian. Because guess what? Oh. Uhura is smart. Yes, she is. And she is very good at languages and communication. And despite what people may not realize, she's good at science. So I, I actually really loved seeing Uhura be the one to break that communication barrier and figure out how to communicate with the Tholians. So it's a great it's a great comic series. Even if you don't really like the original series that much, it's it's I like the idea of them taking possible ways that the series could have gone, mm -hmm. but doing it in a way that they never could have done it on television. 
Because, you know, you can do anything in a comic visually. Oh, definitely. Walking Dead, I'm looking at you. There are so many amazing things that you can see in comics. But, yeah, it's basically, at at my comic book shop, they know if it's Star Trek, it goes in my holds. (laughs) So. (laughs) But, anyway, enough about Tholians and comic books. So, yeah, we see some fantasies. And the weird one which was apparently the reenactment of the last mission that got a mm-hmm. lot of people hurt and or killed was strangely barren of people and why was there a castle yeah why was there a <laughs> castle and she's dressed like this dainty maiden and honestly all her different hairstyles i mean the wigs were just impeccable yes. <laughs> just all these different hairstyles and outfits for her just uh, so well done that giant sort of man thing. I mean, was that supposed to be an animal? Because it just looked like a really big guy. It looked like a really big guy with like a dislocated jaw. And maybe that's why he's angry. Yeah, maybe somebody punched him and he's looking for revenge. You know, maybe he has every right to be upset. (laughs) We don't know. We don't know. We weren't there. I mean, humans have done stupid things before to piss off an entire race. Oh, yeah. And we'll continue to do so. Oh, absolutely, because that that's, uh, we are number one in confidence, not necessarily knowledge all the time, but we are absolutely number one in confidence. Nor do we learn from our mistakes. Oh, Lord, no, we don't. History has proven that, yes. and current events prove that. Yes. Way to bring it down, Suzanne. Oh, that's what I do sometimes. Actually, I, I started that journey, so you just followed it to its natural conclusion. With all these visions that they're showing him and all these different things that could possibly happen, I did like that it was showing that perception of things is almost as important as material, material things. Yeah, in in fact, might actually be more mm-hmm. important than what's actually there. And I think that's something we don't really think about consciously on a daily basis is how our perception changes how we feel about things. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, <laughs> I'm going to do the classic something you should never do and I don't care. Uh, I'm going to take a line from Star Tra- Star Wars and pull it into Star Trek because, you know, that. yeah, because guess what, guys, you can love all yes. of the things. There is not a competition there unless you make it one. And if you make it one, that doesn't mean anyone else is playing. All right. That's Just right. I love my Chewbacca. Like it. I will always love Chewbacca. Yes. You know, it's that whole thing where Luke confronts Obi-Wan of, you know, you told me that Vader betrayed and murdered my father. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, what I told you was true from a certain point of view. Yeah. And he's like, a certain point of view? And he says, Luke, many of the tr- you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to uh, depend greatly on our own point of view, exactly. our own perception. Which is funny because that's, that's the thing. Is that a fact is a provable thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Fact and truth aren't necessarily the same thing. No, very often they are polar opposites. Yes. Because there, there can be personal truths, there can be religious truths, etc. But it, it tends to all be a matter of perception mm-hmm. in that regard. So just remember, folks, facts are a tangible, provable thing, whereas <laughs> truths are not facts. And that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. <laughs> but yeah, all all of these visions, he's he's never fully playing along. He just is more than anything either confused or angry. Mm-hmm. 
just trying to get through it. And trying to figure out a way out because every, every cage has a way out. Yes. And he's going to find it because he's determined now. And this, the whole thing with him realizing, oh, you can't read through violent thoughts. Well, I'm just going to keep thinking violent thoughts. And Vina even tells him, you know, you can't keep that up forever. I've tried. <laughs> I've been here for like 20 years, man. Mm-hmm. I've tried. But they've never met one Christopher Pike. He is stubborn as the day is long. <laughs> <laughs> and full of martini. Full of martini. Absolutely full of martini. Which probably helps with the anger. So <laughs> maybe he's an angry drunk. And uh, eventually, you know, they're like, oh, well, you don't like this girl. So here's some more girls. The women. The women. Yeah. Everybody just uh, not even noticing that the ladies are gone except for Spock. Because Spock's on it, man. He is yeah. always on top of stuff. Like, excuse me, your second in command has gone missing. Perk up, people. Come on. Hello. It's like uh, we, they were doing a transport and we're all still here, but we're not all still here. There are mm-hmm. two people gone and you guys are just looking around like, who? Shouldn't I be transported yet? Yeah. Do you think they would have even noticed if it weren't for Spock going, the women? No. They're just waiting on the transporter eventually. Yeah, just like, uh going on man what's going on chief why why are we down there it's one of these these episodes when you know that the telosians can literally make you think anything mm-hmm. like they can make you think you're walking in a field and you're about to walk off a cliff you know something yeah. like that you can't trust anything you see and that is a very frightening proposition dr Boyce said as much yeah it's like you know they can uh, make you see something different than what you're actually seeing. You could work the wrong controls. You could blow up the ship. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those things are possible. That's terrifying. Yeah. That is terrifying. That is a lot of power. It is a lot of power. And it explains why there are only three of them left. <laughs> like, you guys shouldn't be allowed to do this. No. You have broken all your toys and you should have them taken away. And so, and that's the the thing that just that has always struck me about the Telosians is that they would rather try to make other species repopulate their planet than mm-hmm. do anything with their own two hands. Yeah, because they just don't know how anymore. This is their way of life, and they don't know how to do anything different. And that's sad. That is very sad because even if they get someone to repopulate the planet, they're still going to cease to exist. Yeah, they're still going to be gone someday. They're not going to live forever. And they obviously can't reproduce, or they would have by now. So it's just, it's just, it's tragic. And so you kind of, even though you're, you don't really like them for most of this episode, Mm -hmm. there, I've always felt that sense of, oh, it sucks to be you guys. You have this great power and this is all you can use it for. Hmm. You should have been nicer about it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that whole thing with bringing the other ladies down, that was fun and awkward. That definitely brought out the cattiness, which I did not appreciate. Nope, I did not either. I just, I hate this narrative that all women are competing with yeah. each other over a man. That is not the case. There might be women competing for with each other over something else. Uh, you know, I would find it more compelling to see women competing over a rank or mm-hmm. a job assignment or mm-hmm. anything like that. But it's it's always got to be about a man. 
in mm-hmm. that day and age. Like number one, having fantasies about him. No, I don't believe mm-hmm. that. Sorry. I, I, you know, honestly, I would a little bit, but not in the way that it's portrayed in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Because when, when you say fantasies, that brings up some weird connotations. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think number one's fantasies would be very not like what our typical definition of a fantasy is. (laughs) (laughs) Because they said fantasies that doesn't necessarily mean sexual. That's just the conclusion we all lead Mm -hmm. to. So shame on us. It's the Telosian's fault. Yeah, it's the Telosian's fault. Yes. Well, to be frankly, men out there, women have very different fantasies from men. So just uh, keep that in mind. Yes. All right? Okay, thanks. Bye. Like the laundry doing itself. Mm-hmm. Oh. Wow. Well, I'm sorry. You've got me so distracted now. That's all I can think about. Oh, my God. <laughs> if the laundry did itself. And the floor vacuumed itself. If basically the house cleaned itself. <gasps> yes. Oh. I think there was an episode of The Simpsons like that. <laughs> I think you're right. And it was Pierce Brosnan that was the computer that did it. Of course it would be Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> I mean, who else you're going to get? Um, right? Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. One of those voices. Remington Steele. Ah, yes. I loved that show. It got really weird in its final season, though, and just went ways that I thought, no, thanks, <laughs> bye, let's not... That's because you cannot resolve the will they or won't they thing. You just, you can't. Yeah. Like, who's the boss? Yeah, you can't do it. The nanny, no. Yeah, it's just, just don't, how about you don't do that? How about you don't mm-hmm. make the whole series about that yeah. thing? And actually do something with some depth, maybe. And then, you know, when you finally give the people what they want, there's still show that you can do because it was never about them getting together. Exactly. Just a thought. All right. So if anyone ever had Who's the Boss on their bingo card, <laughs> mark that one off. Samantha. <laughs> oh, wait. Ayo. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. We went down that rabbit hole. Tony Danza is going to be in my dreams tonight and not in a good way. <laughs> He's an English teacher. He's an English teacher? Wow. That is something I never expected of him. You know, well, that's the thing. We should not make assumptions about people's abilities. And English teachers have a hard job because Mm -hmm. it's obvious that people do not understand their own language, judging by the amount of incorrect grammar I see on a minute-to-minute basis on the internet. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, 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 it's not you. The the thing, and I've, I've said this before, Probably not on a podcast, but I'll say it again. I I have never understood why people get angry when you correct their grammar. Because no one ever gets angry when you correct their math. Yeah. It's like there is a right way and a wrong way to do math. And mm-hmm. there is a right way and a wrong way to do your language. Yes. And people just act like it doesn't matter. Well, here's the problem with that. I'm going to let you all in on a little secret. If you don't know how to write a language properly and you don't know how to read a language properly, you cannot teach that language properly, and that language dies. Mm -hmm. You think it can't happen? Oh, it's happened many, many times throughout history. Yes. So don't act like grammar doesn't matter, because it does. Thank you for coming to Brandy's TED Talk. (laughs) Yes, this is Brandy's TED Talk. (laughs) 
and brought to you by LeVar Burton Reads. <laughs> Making it better tomorrow. Okay, no, that's not true. But LeVar Burton Reads is awesome, you guys. I was going to say Reading Rainbow, and I thought, no, that's not the most current thing. It's definitely LeVar Burton Reads. So, wow. Okay. So the long and short of it is the Telosians decide, oh, you're not suitable to repopulate our planet. And that's really sad because you were our last hope. And we're all just kind of like, dudes, yeah. you got yourself in this mess. So sorry. And uh, we find out Vina isn't as she appears no. and see her true form. And I, you know, her explanation is that, you know, they, they found me a lump of flesh melting uh, they put me back together, everything works, but they had never seen a human before. And I'm like, what about the dead people next to you? Yeah, it's like there are other, other dead people, plus they're mind readers, mm -hmm. telepaths, and they couldn't find a visual representation in her brain. Or on the ship that they were on. On the ship. Hmm. That's one of those things I just can't headcanon. Yeah. I have tried for, let's see, when was the first time I saw the, remember seeing, well, it was the Menagerie when I first saw it. So I would say I was probably about four or five. So that's something I've been trying to reconcile for about 43 years, and I have never been able to headcanon that. If anyone has an idea of how I can do that, please let me know. I did figure out something for my own headcanon in this rewatch this afternoon. Wonderful. They were going through the ship's computer and getting all that information. And from that, they figured out that humans don't like to be captured. I'm thinking that The Matrix, the movie The Matrix, was one of those things that they downloaded from the computer <laughs> and figured that out. <laughs> and that's how they figured out that people don't like to be enslaved and captured in servitude. Or they just looked at the beginning of America. That too. But I'm going with The Matrix because... <laughs> Matrix! <laughs> then Vina is like Cypher, and she's happier living in the illusion. Yeah, she chooses that. Mm -hmm. And so did Cypher. He was like, you know, yeah. I'm sorry I took that blue pill. I'm going this or this red pill. Whatever pill it was. Whichever one. It's like, see you, Morpheus. I'm out of here. Yeah. One pill makes you larger, and one a pill makes you small. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was doing White Rabbit for a second, guys. Okay, anyone who had White Rabbit. Go ask Alice. <laughs> It's interesting how they re-edited that for the Menagerie two-parter, but we'll talk about that when we get to the Menagerie two-parter. Oh, we're going to do this uh, again. Sort of, but not, because we have a story that's a wraparound that we I think do. is worth discussing. We do. So we don't have to rehash the, the elements that are just going to be this replayed in a different form. But I, I do want to talk about that story mm -hmm. that Definitely. of why they're going back to Talos for. Yes, and, and who is initiating that? Yep. Which is uh, so at that time, out of character from what we knew yes. at that point. So, and even as a kid, because as a kid, I, I like I said in our teaser episode, I don't remember a time before Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And it was probably, I was about sort of eight or nine, I think, when I realized who my favorite character was. And it was actually the episode Devil in the Dark that did that for me. I love that episode. Because it's a great episode. It's shot so like a good. horror movie. 
And, but not only that, it's just, I love the Horta and mm-hmm. <laughs> just, and Spock mind melding with the Horta. That was when I realized that Spock was my favorite character because he's expressing, you know, he's basically expressing the, the Horta's pain at her babies yes. being killed. And, you know, as a child, I am perceiving this as she's hurting him. Mm-hmm. Do not hurt my Spock. And so it was kind of a revelation of, oh, well, I really like this guy. <laughs> I liked it because we figured out at that point that McCoy can fix anything. Yeah. Even though he's a doctor, not a bricklayer. Not a bricklayer. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, so, comes out with his cement-like hands. He's like, I don't know how, but I did it. Yep. <laughs> so, put Spock's brain back in his head, you know? <laughs> Oi. <laughs> oh, not to mention his yeah. Mm-hmm. Had to carry that around. I, you know, honestly, I thought that was like some of the best, like, non revenge revenge ever is putting his contra yes. into McCoy. Remember. <laughs> just that, that, that was so fitting. So fitting. Because, uh, you know, he could have, he could have done it to any number of people on the way to the dilithium chamber. Anybody. There were other people. Nope, nope. There you are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is McCoy. He's like, oh. <laughs> Hold still, buddy. <laughs> no, he would never do it that way. But I just, I di- I was absolutely tickled by that. Yes. That uh, he made McCoy carry around his contra. <laughs> oh, good times. So, you know, this episode seems to have uh, cured Pike's depression, and now he's all okay, I'm fine now. Let's go back to Starfleeting and whatnot. And he seemed perfectly fine that an illusion of him was staying on the planet. Yeah, just like, okay, well, you know, probably better than what I would have been if I were (laughs) staying. It's just like, no, can't you make somebody else? uh... Yeah, but that's the thing is that, you know, she wanted him and so it had to be him. She just met the dude. I know that was just, well, she does say that, you know, that he was basically the sum of all of her own fantasies and that's why they chose him and she couldn't help but love him. So then like, yeah, but see, and that's, that's another thing, you know, another sort of misogynist thing Mm -hmm. that's in this episode that I just kind of have to go. It's. It exists. It exists. Yeah. yeah. So, how did this episode first make you feel about Captain Pike? The very, very first time I saw I didn't like him. Didn't like him at all. And still, I'm so, sort of meh. On, on that particular incarnation. Yes. Agree. Yes. Yeah. How he can go from this surly man to Anson Mount, I don't know. But I'm so happy to find out it's you know it's just we're so we were spoiled so much by anson mount that we can't remember at that time what pike really started yes. out as. <laughs> that's okay <laughs> that's okay because i love that they took this character which may not have ever seen the light of day on mm-hmm. screen again and turned it into this magnificent character that everybody wants more of yes. which is why we are here yes it is because they listen to the fans 
That's crazy. That's crazy. And and I know everybody's like, well, I knew it was coming. Yeah, well, I know a little bit about what it takes to, mm-hmm. you know, produce a television show. And when you already have television shows in production or pre-production and have a schedule mm-hmm. and all of these things that you are trying to adhere to, just suddenly adding a show that you were never planning on doing, that yeah. is not an easy or light decision. Yeah. To, for them to do that blew my mind. And to be able to ensure that you get that same cast. Because if you recast something, mm-mm, not going to work. Mm-mm. You can recast anyone else that we saw on the bridge, but you cannot recast number one, Spock or Pike. Yeah. You just can't. Because that was why it worked. Mm-hmm. That was why we wanted more. Exactly. So thank you to the powers that be for making us all so happy. And please give us a really good Dr. Boyce. I know. I really, honestly, I don't know who they're going to choose. And there were a lot of people that were just saying, get Jeffrey Combs, which honestly, I would love. He would be perfect. He would be absolutely perfect. perfect. And he's he's been in so many Trek series. I I adore Jeffrey Combs, and I have adored Jeffrey Combs for many, many years, well Mm -hmm. before he started popping up in Star Trek. Reanimator. Yes! (laughs) Yes! You know, and here's another tangent. Get out your bingo cards. Um, (laughs) Did you ever see the series, The 4400? Yes, I love, freaking love The 4400. Right? And remember when he showed up in that? And when he was trying to devise this serum, and it looked like the reagent? It was like this Mm -hmm. glowy yellow thing, and I'm just like, like, you guys! You guys are just warming my heart. Yeah, I loved that. I loved that. And I love Jeffrey Combs. And I will always love Jeffrey Combs. So, overall, our initial experience with Captain Pike, very first time, was kind of, uh, yeah. And now it's still kind of, uh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeffrey Hunter. It's not you. Yeah, actually, it's the script. It's the dialogue. It's the misogyny. It's definitely not you. And yeah, um, good looking guy, though. Strong jaw. Those piercing blue eyes as well. All all the blue eyes. Blue eyes everywhere. Which, you know, actually, blue eyes are not that common. No, we're not. All right. Well, let's let's discuss a little bit about what our plans are for this show, because obviously we yes. don't know when Strange New Worlds is going to be a thing. Oof. I would guess it's not going to be before 2022. Yeah, it's got to be 2022. Might have been sooner, if not for COVID-19. Everybody, please wear a mask when you go out in public. Please, please. Wash please, your hands. Please, please. Wash, Wash your, your hands, hands and wear a mask. Wash yes. your hands frequently. And, you know, honestly, you can say, well, there's no proof that it works. Well, it's not going to hurt you to do it. It's not going to hurt you to try it. So um, try and protect other people Mm -hmm. as well as yourself. Thank you. We are a community. Take care of everyone. We that and that's the thing. And this is something that has actually been a thing in many Asian countries for a very long time is that if someone was unwell, they would wear a mask when they were out in public so Mm -hmm. as not to contaminate other people. And that is just really smart and responsible. And I don't know why can't, why we can't get behind that. But now that I have all these wonderful masks that my sister Brooke has made me, I will never 
be lacking for a mask again. Nice. So, yeah, as we d aren't going to have a lot of content available to discuss, we're probably going to do this about every four to six weeks. Yeah. So that we don't run out of things to talk about before the show starts. And then, of course, you know, as it gets closer. Yeah, we're well, going to ramp it up. Yeah. We're going to talk about the news, etc. There was that virtual panel that happened for San Diego Comic-Con at home mm -hmm. where they did ask the uh, our, our triumvirate, you know, a basic question about Strange New Worlds. And I wish that they had actually had time to expound on mm -hmm. that a little bit more. And honestly, I was disappointed that they crammed all of that stuff into about an hour and 20 minutes. So yeah. so there was the part of the discovery table read, which if you haven't read, if you haven't watched the it's entire so table read, it's so good. So it's good. so good, you guys. And oh my gosh, that Sonequa Martin-Green is on it all the time. Yes, all the is. time. Yes, all the time. Is. So it's also very interesting because that was, you know, like a shooting script. And so there were certain lines that were different. And there were also things that were not in the episode mm -hmm. as it... It eventually aired and so that was just like easter eggs for brandy <laughs> but um yeah because they crammed in that plus a, a discovery panel plus mm -hmm. a picard panel plus a lower decks panel yeah. and that it was, was an lot. hour and 20 minutes and i felt like we could have done like an hour for each one of those yes. things yes we could so i was just kind of bummed about that i wanted more they just didn't give me enough in my opinion. One bright spot coming out of the COVID madness that we're all going through is there are going to be some amazing scripts for all of yes, these shows are. coming up. There really, really are. Well, I know, I do know that the writer room, writer's room, excuse me, already has mm -hmm. a lot of story ideas ready and just waiting to be developed. So that was, uh, that was exciting to hear. The, yes. That one little bit, one little tidbit of something we didn't know. So we will we will bring any future Strange New Worlds news to you as it happens. Well, in the next podcast after <laughs> it happens. <laughs> so you'll probably have heard it for a while, but then we're going to tell you again. Yeah. We're going to tell you again and tell you how we feel about it. Yes, and it'll be fun. That's why you're here, isn't it? Just to hear what we think. Because <laughs> we are, we are the women! <laughs> The women. That is going to do it for our very first episode, full episode of Boldly Go. So before we go, Suzanne, where can people find you around those internets? Well, I hide amongst the internets on the Twitter. You can find me at kjaneway8. And you can also find me doing another podcast with a certain Mr. Liam Smart. And it's called mm -hmm. The Janeway. I cannot wait to hear that first episode. I'm so looking forward to it. By the time you hear this, that will already be out, I believe. Yes. So yes, that is dropping on the 6th. I'm so excited about that. And where can we find you around the interwebs? You can find me around the Twitter place as well at Brandywine12. Brandy is with an I, 12 is a number. You can also find me with the self-same Liam Smart on the <gasps> Vedic Assembly. He gets around. Yeah. <laughs> Also, our friend Nick Collinson. He's two-timing me. I'm so upset. <laughs> Just kidding. Not upset. <laughs> and uh, we talk about Deep Space Nine. And our first episode of that is available now, where we just sort of introduce ourselves and talk about our DS9 history and some of the things that we are looking forward to doing. 
And the next episode we have coming out of that, we will be uh, taking a deep dive into Emissary. So, which is something I haven't watched in a few years. And I had some surprising emotional reactions to that that I did not expect. (laughs) So that'll be fun. Also, every Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific, you can find me on Twitch with my good friend Aaron Harvey doing a show called Infinite Trek. You can find that on the Twitch channel Outpost 13. It's Outpost underscore 13. And uh, that is also uh, at the behest of the wonderful people at Trek Geeks as well. It's a combined effort between Outpost 13 and Trek Geeks, and we appreciate that. So you can find that every Saturday, 11 a.m. Pacific. And I'm looking forward to that so much. I'm super excited and not nervous. Actually, I was going to say I'm a teensy bit nervous, but honestly, I've got an improv background. So and, and Aaron and I actually really have a lot. Uh, in common, but also have enough differences to make mm-hmm. it interesting. So we, we gel well together. So yeah, looking forward to that and uh, and the fun things that we have coming out in the Trek world. Yes, too. So, and there, I do a podcast with my husband called The Dark Corner. I do a solo podcast called Head Cannon. You can find both of those at darkcornerpodcast.com. And there is another project that is in development that I can't talk about yet. Another project. Another project. Am I doing too much? Maybe. (laughs) But I love it. I love it. There's nothing that I want to get rid of. I want to do it all. So... All right, then. Well, that is it for us for this episode of Boldly Go, a Strange New Worlds podcast. And uh, we'll see you in about four to six weeks for episode two, where we're going to talk about some Spock taking some Captain Pike back to Talos 4. <laughs> Check out all the great shows that we've got coming on Hollow Sweet Media. You can find all of those things on all of the socials. All these things are on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And for us, it's Boldly Go Pod on all of those platforms. So come follow us. Come chat with us in the listeners group, which is the Nexus. And uh, enjoy your trek. Enjoy your trek. So we'll see you next time. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Hollow Sweet Media programs. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for Starbase One, a Star Trek online podcast. I don't really think that's a good idea. I order you to do it right now. Warning the structural integrity field has collapsed. This is Admiral Quinn. You will be assigned to Starbase One. Welcome to Starbase One.
I'm Colin. I'm Admiral Aaron. I'm Dave. I'm Steve. And I'm Tom. Starbase One is a dedicated Star Trek Online podcast. If you're a first-time listener, hello. If you're a dedicated decade listener and you've been wondering where the hell we are, we're back. Loading Suite preview program for Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. True, but, but how do you decide what's empty fan service and what's, you know, substantial fan service? What's the difference? Uh, watch Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker and you'll see <laughs> some examples of empty fan service. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I get that. But, you know, they can do, I've said this before, but they can do whatever they want to because it's animated. They can have any voice actor from any other Star Trek series and figure out a way to write them in. Loading Suite preview program for The Vedic Assembly. A Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm not going to put it down there with my lowest of lows, but my okay. most my most thing about Meridian is why the hell would she be like, I've known you for 13 seconds and I'm going to go into an ethereal, non-corporeal form for the next 67 years. It's like, why would you do this? <laughs> yeah, the same it's... person. You're like 300 and something years old, Dax. Surely you've had a little bit more life experience than this to be running off <laughs> with strangers. You're not 12. <laughs> Computer, deactivate Holosuite.